Welcome to the Venley Expert Talks, where we aim to inspire Web3 builders with great stories from great minds. I'm your host, Alexandra Ahrens, and I'd like to remind you that you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Discord, or LinkedIn with ideas for the podcast and questions for our guests. Welcome to episode 16 of the Venley Expert Talks. Today I'm joined by Alex Russman, head of the Consumer Engagement Metaverse Fund at the HBAR Foundation, and we'll be talking about the future of NFTs, virtual worlds, and cross-chain interoperability, but also about Hedera and the HBAR Foundation. So thank you for joining me today. It's nice to have you. Thank you, Alex. Pleasure to be here. Great. Um, So if we can start out with just what your background is in crypto and life and and how you came to be where you are. Okay, so I guess uh, not to go back in history too far, um, I guess my my professional life um, was kind of forged working for um, a management and technology consulting firm called Accenture um, in London in the UK. Um, and I left Accenture in 2016 very much with the, with the intention of getting my hands dirty with this blockchain technology. I wanted to um, be a part of the movement um, and be close to technology, which I knew was going to be very impactful um, across multiple industries. And it was something that large enterprises like Accenture just weren't going to be quick to, to move on. I ended up living in Vietnam um, for two years after leaving London um, and during that time, I actually met a lot of uh, crypto projects based out in the APEC region and through those relationships became familiar with a company called Engine. And when I ended up moving back to Europe and Berlin, um, I connected with the Engine team um, and became their head of business development. A really, really fantastic project. Uh, if you haven't come across Engine, they did an ICO back in 2017 and since before then have been thinking about NFTs in terms of how they relate to the gaming space, but also beyond that, just uh, driving NFT standards across the EVM ecosystem with ERC-1155 and just building wallets, tooling, infrastructure that's really, really pushed the whole industry ahead. So that that was an amazing um, formative experience entering into the crypto space more professionally. And then in February of last year, I joined the Hedera Hashgraph um, ecosystem, working directly for Hedera Hashgraph LLC. And then I moved to, with with most of the um, business development team, to the HBAR Foundation, which was launched in September of last year. And the HBAR Foundation, uh, you can really see, is the the business development wing um, of the Hedera Hashgraph ecosystem. It's the largest grant-giving entity in the whole blockchain slash DLT space, uh, which is incredibly exciting um, for the industry and also for the Hedera Hashgraph ecosystem. Um, So I I get to spend a lot of time interacting with new projects across many different spaces and meeting incredibly uh, interesting people. Awesome. Very cool. Great. Yeah. So for those who are not yet familiar with Hedera and yeah, and the HBAR Foundation, can you maybe explain in layman terms what Hedera is and how it tries to set itself apart from competitors? So, so even with um, even with kind of newcomers and laymen, um, I usually do start with a technical distinction. Um, Hedera is on a technical level not a blockchain, uh, but something called a hash graph. Um, and so we'll often refer instead of blockchain to the kind of the parent category of uh, distributed ledger technology, DLT. Um, but because blockchain is the shorthand in this space, um, also your blockchain slips into the vocabulary there. Um, however, it's really key that we're, we're not a blockchain. Um, it's a difference in data structure. But instead, essentially, instead of having these um, groups of transactions, these blocks appended to previous 
uh, groups creating this chained history. Hashgraph is something we call a, a gossip about gossip protocol. It's a means of having computer nodes in the network communicate with one another, whereby when they send a message with new information um, between nodes, they include in that transaction a hash, a sort of summary of information they've received from other nodes. So when I, Alex Russman, send to you um, a transaction with new information, I'm also going to include information I've learned from one of my colleagues, uh, from my brother, from my sister. Um, and so you're updated and you're able to propagate information very, very quickly through the network and achieve consensus uh, very quickly with a high level of security. And Hashgraph was invented by the, the Hedera co-founder, Dr. Lehman Baird, who was really looking to solve um, over a period of several, several years the problem of achieving consensus at scale. And that kind of core technology of Hashgraph has been packaged up into you know, an enterprise grade. Um, that's kind of enterprise your grade scale, stability, governance um, that can be you know, utilized by anyone from small to large projects. Okay. Um, so on that vein, why should new projects be interested in building on Hedera? Well, when, when Hedera was first announced to the world as a network, it was positioned as a third-generation um, distributed ledger technology, building on the achievements of Bitcoin and Ethereum in the past, Bitcoin introducing these um, digital assets, uh, you know, Ethereum bringing in smart contracts and this sort of Cambrian explosion um, of different tokens. And Hedera was really saying that this, this DLT, this blockchain space, is going to have a huge amount of legitimate interest. Your large enterprises and organizations are going to want to engage with these DLT networks. And in order to meet that interest, you need a network that's architected from the ground up for enterprise needs. Um, and so we'll often speak about this sort of enterprise-grade technology and governance we offer. That doesn't mean it's just for enterprises. The network is a public network that anyone can build on. We have you know, small community projects right through to large uh, conglomerates building on Hedera. Um, but it really is about meeting you know, that kind of high high level of demand from enterprises around you know, technology. Um, so Hashgraph gives us a very high throughput. Uh, we currently throttle the network to 10,000 transactions per second, for example. Those transactions have very low latency. Uh, we keep it below five seconds, average about three seconds, and you have immediate finality as opposed to blockchain, where it takes a bit longer to see those transactions fully processed. Um, and also key for enterprises um, and you know, long-term operations is predictability around pricing. Uh, so every transaction on the network has a fixed price um, in fixed in US dollars value paid in the underlying HBAR um, cryptocurrency. But that means as an organization, you know that if you're doing a million of a specific transaction in six months, it will cost you know, a million times a hundredth of a cent, for example. Um, in addition, your know, Hashgraph is incredibly performative, which means that there's a low uh, you know, environmental footprint from those transactions. And we've also processed more than two billion uh, transactions on the network. So very stable you're very battle and stress tested. Um, but a lot of networks are competing in that sort of technology and performance space. Um, I, I would say Hedera really does have an edge in the stability and that can maintain throughput um, when you kind of look at the, the performance history. But for me, the more exciting angle and the, the part that really speaks to attracting you know, enterprises and projects with a really stress on the longevity um, of their aims is the governance piece. So Hedera really approached um, as, as an organization building this network with a view that people care about who owns and operates a decentralized network. And the answer is the Hedera Governing Council. 
And the Hedera Governing Council is modelled after the original Visa Council and will be made up of, um, eventually be uh, up to 39 enterprise members who decide on the roadmap, the features, the treasury, the fees on the network. And we approach decentralisation um, in, and I think, the, you know, the most effective way. So we believe that you can't have transparency with anonymity. You need to know who is operating the nodes, who is making decisions, and how they make those decisions. And we're decentralized by geography. We have council members um, across six continents now, and we're targeting 11 industry sectors as well as universities and NGOs to prevent collusion within the network. Often when you look at mining pools or developer groups or kind of staking interests with, with other networks, you don't know who they are. They're quite a small group. And you know, in many cases, they could be the same group or the same person, just in different kind of um, you know, geographical or technical placements. Um, and another aspect which uh, doesn't always get so much attention is we really aim for technical decentralization. Um, we, we push council members to not run all of their nodes on Google Cloud or Microsoft Azure um, because, you know, again, you need that you know, technical decentralization of the network. So for, for me, uh, for, for more, I've learned about Hedera, Hashgraph, and um, you know, there's always kind of more, to, more to learn. It's, it's falling down the rabbit hole. There's everything in crypto. Uh, it answers all those questions. And when I talk to enterprises, you know, the business development side is very easy because they're saying, you know, who uses the network? We have council members like Google, LG. You know, who is behind the governance? You know, there's huge names. You know, EDF is tokenizing carbon credits on the network. And you know, is it, how does it impact the environment? All these questions are really answered. Um, and so... Extended answer, but there's a lot happening and a lot to sell the Hedera network on. No, yeah, that was great. There's all, definitely a lot of information there, but I really appreciate it. Um, very interesting. Okay. Yeah, so um, as you kind of said, you've got definitely a lot of different hands in the pot, as you might say. Um, so obviously collaborations and partnerships are huge, hugely important, especially with improving adoption. So what can you... Tell us about Hedera's current partners, plans for partnerships, and where everybody kind of, what they can gain from these partnerships. So uh, at, at the HBAR Foundation, um, our, our purpose, our, our remit is really to disperse into you know, the Hedera ecosystem in the form of grants, um, you know, several billion dollars of, of HBAR. And the, the way we approach that is having different funds uh, within the foundation with budgets to target specific areas. And I lead the, the consumer engagement slash metaverse fund, which means my focus is building out the ecosystem on a, on a kind of technical level as it relates to NFTs and sort of tokenization projects and standards. And then on the business side, you could see it being um, your application focus for uh, targeting gaming and esports, fashion and consumer brands, media and entertainment, and then sports, as well as enterprise metaverse, which kind of speaks to the middleware um, and infrastructure being built around token management. Uh, so those are the partnerships that, that I focus on. Um, we're, we're really building a, a strong ecosystem around tokens. So you can look at uh, technical pieces like wallets, um, explorers, marketplaces, that we're really looking to have a, a strong um, and stable selection within the ecosystem. And then in terms of the consumer-facing projects, uh, like other networks, you're really driving to, to see sort of games um, and projects that bring users into the, the Hedera network and the ecosystem. So those, those are my focus areas. In, in terms of um, partnerships, the, the, we often get you know, stuck at the foundation between um, you know, working with partners who want to time that announcement perfectly, um, but then they also 
so so a timely announcement with the foundation and that kind of official partnership um, you know, perfectly to align with their own aims but they also want to shout about how they're embracing Hedera technology so um, projects like um, uh, like ACT and Eobank um, actually been advising for a long time uh, they were talking about using Hedera's technology and I was saying well we haven't announced this partnership, so you're kind of stealing the, stealing the wind for my sales. Um, another great project, Reveal, is currently, um, their, their token is lined up to launch on, on Launchpool, a launchpad, um, which will be the first Hedera token they support. Um, again, Reveal is just super excited to be working with you know, Hedera Consensus Service as well as the Hedera Token Service. Um, and you know, they're, they're talking, they're using the technology, they're releasing a token, um, but we still haven't made a partnership announcement because we don't know how that aligns with their kind of business activities. So often, um, and I'll shout out to you know, Hedera community members like Danny Eide and Zepsi, they're the ones who are kind of like detectives and they find these projects. Um, I'm talking to you most recently, uh, Sale Finance, a great um, great biz, uh, Belgian team kind of building a sales force, uh, so CRM solution for NFTs, which is hugely exciting. Um, and that was spotted by the community before you know, at the foundation, we could go, hey, look, we've got this, this great project and this great sort of roadmap ahead. So I, I definitely say in terms of partnerships, you're following kind of core members of the Hedera community, that will give you a, a good sense of um, you know, in, inbound projects. Um, in terms of you know, alpha leak kind of stuff, uh, there, are, there are some pieces I, I'm confident we're you know, we will surprise the community with in the coming two months. Um, there's two great new um, gaming ecosystem partners, um, and we'll also be uh, providing more news around the the partnership we have with Ubisoft. Uh, two fantastic esports platforms uh, will be launching as well in the next two months. So that's something that the community and you know, the broader uh, sort of world can engage with in terms of very usable, consumer-friendly NFTs um, and esports stars. And then fashion is something that I've always had a, a passion for. Um, in the previous life, I had a fashion NFT startup. Um, and this is an area where your brands want to have tokens uh, live on networks, and then they need to be supported by other applications. And we have a, an amazing kind of luxury brand um, B2B player uh, who will be issuing a huge number of, of NFTs on the network. And that's... Uh, that's something that I'm very excited to speak about. I know everyone hates announcements about announcements, um, but <laughs> wants to sneak in a bit of alpha yeah. league as well as uh, obviously uh, attacking the sports area and building out more kind of partners like Sale, who are enabling businesses to embrace tokens in, in more advanced ways than just you know, issuing an image against an NFT on the network. So jumping around a bit there, but uh, my fund is all about user, user, user acquisition um, and you're grabbing lots of um, adoption through brands. Definitely. Great. Again, loads of information. Just that one, one go. I love it. <laughs> um, awesome. Thanks. Um, so great. I'm going to bring it to one partner specifically. So in one of our previous talks on Benley Expert Talks, we had Jesse from Hashport as a guest. Um, can you take us over that specific relationship uh, between Hashport and Hedera and how you expect it to evolve? Yeah, so Hashport is a, is a fantastic project. Um, and it's really important for, for the Hedera ecosystem in terms of your connectivity to, to other networks. So Hashport bridges Hedera to Ethereum and to Polygon. And this allows us to, to access you know, other, other ecosystems, their assets and their liquidity. Um, so Hashport is, is key for, for the launch of the scale-up of DeFi on the Hedera network. Um, we upgraded our smart contract service at the start of this year, and we have a highly performative um, Ethereum 
virtual machine EVM now running on the Hedera Hashgraph network. Um, and so that enables us to you know, see the you know, explosion of DEXs, AMMs, um, kind of uniques of financial and composable you know, instruments um, appearing on the network. And of course, assets and liquidity need to come in um, and they'll be bridged across ha- across hash- Hashboard. So very excited to see that happen. Hashboard is also developing great capabilities for NFT bridging, which also I- impacts my interest area. And I think where Hashboard will evolve will be seeing a huge amount of assets like held on that bridge, um, you're moving both ways back and forth to uh, Polygon Ethereum. Um, we'll see other networks uh, being supported by the bridge as well. Uh, we've already had a, a great um, security audit from Omnisia, you know, obviously with uh, hacks like the wormhole hack. Um, audits are very key in hashboards. Um, we'll be doing kind of more audits to, you know, to provide that confidence, as well as building out the validator node network for current uh, you know, community of nodes is really fantastic high-profile projects. Um, again, bringing their reputation um, to, to you know, proving the stability um, of the bridge. Um, so yeah, hashboard, fantastic. I'm really excited for the potential there. Great. Perfect. So then I guess the other thing here is um, you already kind of gave us some sneak peeks into stuff that's going to be happening. Um, Is there any exciting news for the HBAR Foundation right now that you can share with us? I think for for me, the most exciting exciting thing in terms of the network is the the smart contracts Mm -hmm. uh, service. I think this is something which um, is, is really important for projects, especially in terms of launching their own tokens, um, fundraising, engaging with a community, you know, launching DAOs, um, you know, being able to you know, fundraise for your, your blockchain game. So smart contracts as a technical feature on the network is, is a really big deal. Um, on top of that, you can have an EVM running on a network, but you need the developer tooling. So I think that's something... You know, developers, community alike should uh, should be following and very excited by uh, pieces of Ethereum developer tooling being brought over to, to the Hedera network. Uh, we have a fork of um, you know, libraries like Ether.js, uh, which is launching um, on Hedera as uh, Heather or Heather's.js. Um, we've got a fork of Hardhat, uh, working closely with the Waffle team, and all, all of these pieces of tooling that make it easy to interact with the smart contract service. Very, very excited about that, and developers are excited about that because they can you know, more seamlessly leave the you know, other EVM networks and come and enjoy the speed and performance and low fees of Hedera. Um, in terms of the, the, the Hedera, the HBAR Foundation, the Consumer Engagement Fund business area, I'm you know, really excited just by the explosion of interest um, and by the kind of core sort of flagship projects that we have in the gaming, uh, fashion, sports, and enterprise metaverse space. Um, we're really looking to you know, have these very high-level, um, you know, very scalable use cases to drag in businesses, you know, both small and large, as well as work with agile, smaller teams uh, to see kind of innovation being shipped very quickly and agilely. Okay. Wonderful. Um, On that note, then I'm going to kind of pivot us more towards the main topic of today's talk. Um, So starting out with kind of a general question, what do you feel are the main benefits of blockchain interoperability? I think in terms of interoperability where we're at now, a lot of blockchain networks are in a sort of nascent phase. They're still building a community, maybe even still working towards a sort of industry-specific focus. So the interoperability between blockchains is, is important to be able to have assets move around, have projects be able to you know, be a bit more fluid and migrate 
um, around networks to see your partnerships and collaboration. Um, and it might be that a specific you know, blockchain gaming network pivots into a more financial instrument and assets will kind of move around as we see these, these blockchain networks you know, evolve in different ways. Uh, so I, I think that that kind of composability of, of the infrastructure is, is key. Um, the, the other side to that is also around standardization. Um, we're, we're seeing you know, dominant standards uh, within the EVM space around tokens like ERC20, ERC721, ERC1155. It's important that in networks don't you know, advance in pure isolation because we will see closer collaboration and we want to see industries embrace DLT technology and not see fragmentation when they arrive to these multiple networks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Many metaverse projects claim that they are interoperable. Um, why do you think that they place this as such a high-level USP, and do you think they really are interoperable at this point? I think the the aim around building the metaverse is this interconnectivity, um, really kind of acknowledging different assets and um, you know, acquisitions across different platforms and places. That's a rough definition of the, of the metaverse as I see it, the, the ability to you know, have your Steam achievements on the gaming platform there be acknowledged and recognized on LinkedIn as, as credentials. And that's really what metaverse projects at the moment are, are trying to do. They're trying to say, look, if you win this asset or this credential in one area, we're going to acknowledge it in, in our space. Um, and that kind of interconnectedness leads to, to interoperability in terms of you know, does the, the magic sword in one game also function as a magic sword in another? Um, and that touches on questions about you know, game developers' willingness to you know, support an external asset, to you know, go to added work, to see that translate across different spaces. So in the same way that you need to you know, bridge an asset from one network to another, you need to translate it across technologies and standards. Uh, metaverses are going to struggle with that interoperability piece of how do I make a piece of digital fashion in a 2D mobile game work in an advanced you know, 3D game, um, and not just about changes in game engine, but also art style. So this is for Dream, um, and it obviously speaks a lot to, to the use of blockchain. Um, if, you're, if you're launching a game with blockchain assets, uh, the immediate utility is being able to trade the assets outside the game and you know, not have the assets stored on a, on a centralized you know, game uh, server. But you know, beyond that, the most utility that speaks to you know, the majority of the population who perhaps don't at the moment care too much about where the custody of these assets sits is the ability to you know, take the asset to to another space. And I think um, for, for the media entertainment and brand space, it's about you know, being able to reach you know, consumers directly rather than having to go through you know, a fortnight um, you know, lockdown centralized database. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that um, kind of leads me into the next thought here. So what do you think about celebrities and big brands getting into the NFT market? I think it's, an, it's a very, very logical uh, move. Um, I think all of these uh, celebrities and brands, they're seeing the amount of value that you know, they provide to platforms like Instagram and Spotify and YouTube. And they're building these, these communities within those platforms, but it's hard to you know, take those communities outside the platforms. Um, so the, the, the example um, you know, I, I like to give is uh, a few years ago, Nike launched a digital-only sneaker in Fortnite, and that was a you know, great way to you know, access you know, perhaps new Nike fans or existing Nike fans and give them something within the Fortnite game. Um, but how do you 
then you know, approach that that kind of new consumer base that people are holding these you know, digital sneakers elsewhere. And the beauty of doing that on the blockchain would be that all of those digital sneakers exist as NFTs, and the, the people who have acquired them in Fortnite can then go to another game, maybe play at unknown battlegrounds, and they can you know, then be acknowledged by that game as having you know, this, this Nike shoe. Uh, Nike obviously incentivized there because you know, they're giving added value to, to this asset. And they're also having brand ambassadors who are going to carry that Nike swoosh to different platforms. And then when those, you know, when those consumers eventually circle back around and come to something like the Nike Digital Store, uh, the Nike Digital Store can see that they have been on this journey, can see that they're you know, loyal uh, brand ambassadors and consumers and can unlock something special for them, acknowledge that history in, in the store with um, perhaps a special design or a physical shoe that they can order. Um, so it really is about being able to you know, unlock your your kind of your fans and your, your branded followers away from different platforms and see that interconnectivity bring them back to you when you need them. So uh, Nike recently acquired um, Artifacts, which is you know, perhaps the, the, the pioneer of this kind of digital sneaker movement. Um, I, I advise a, a company in the project called Metaverse Me uh, that collaborated with Atari and uh, Artifact on their Artifact sneaker uh, drop, which worked across which works across multiple different um, you know, metaverse spaces like Sandbox and Decentraland. Uh, there's another company called uh, The Fabricant, uh, which is a pioneer in, in digital fashion. I think one of the world's you know, first digital-only fashion houses. And they did a blockchain dress uh, a few years back and then worked with uh, myself and I as an engine to also do a collaboration with, with Atari. And I think these uh, these are the innovators in terms of you know, creating um, digital you know, collectibles, which are now being you know, linked to augmented reality and taken into different spaces. The, the fascinating area to follow is you know, how something like digital fashion can be interoperable, how you can have the same fit and flow of the fabric on different avatars or in different virtual spaces. Yeah, very good. Um, so kind of in that same vein, what are your maybe personal favorite NFT projects? Could also be infrastructure. Oh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> put, put on the spot there. I think um, Venly is uh, obviously shout out to Venly. Venly expert talks. Um, <laughs> I, I've known the Venly team for a long time, but on an on an infrastructure basis, I think Venly is interesting because of the, this multi chain approach, where where a consumer has a wallet, and inside that wallet they have multiple assets sitting on different networks. And I think this is the other side to interoperability and interconnectivity, where instead of using bridges to move the assets around, you have a wallet which can hold multiple you know, NFTs on you know, across multiple networks, and you see them acknowledged and supported within a game. Uh, so you're not having to move your, your Polygon assets to Hedera or Hedera assets to Ethereum, because the game can look into the wallet and see you know, the assets across those three networks. And I th- I have a, the... The comparison I give to, to the gaming space is when you log in to play Call of Duty online, you don't really care whether that game takes place on the French server, the Italian server, the UK server. They're, they're all legitimate and you, you mainly care about the, the performance. So definitely shout out to Venly in terms of advancing that multi-chain sort of interoperable um, your use case. In terms of 
NFT projects um, I'm a big fan of in the Hedera space. Uh, definite shout out to um, Hashpack, which is a fantastic wallet project. Uh, just an in- incredible um, your design team and just allowing people to access the technology um, you intuitively is, is really, really meaningful. Uh, also, Hash Access, uh, Hash Access um, a leading NFT marketplace. Um, again, doing fantastic things really close to the technology and um, con- contributing to the developer community on Hedera, but also great eye to design. And I'm all about your know, accessibility and uh, your adoption. Um, you know, new users have to find an easy and a great on-ramp into this technology, uh, te- NFTs they want and uh, easy ways to acquire them. So that, that would be the, the infrastructure piece. And then personal shout out to... Metaverse Me, because that's a really cool avatar project that I'm excited to see scale up. Um, and using the, the tech stack from Ready Player Me, which is uh, also doing interoperability around avatars and building in NFT use cases. Uh, so now I'm just kind of naming things. <laughs> that, that <come laughs> but uh, you know, you, uh, also, it's very hard when you're doing BD. Everyone, every project you talk to is to some extent your baby, and you, you don't want to have uh, you, actually, you don't have preferences between them because they're all just teams doing fantastic mm-hmm. things in their own spaces. Yeah, yeah. and I can imagine you get. And apologies if I've missed anyone. Uh, and now I'm going to get loads of like Twitter messages saying, "Hey, you forgot to mention us." <laughs> so I'll ha- perhaps have to do like an apology tweet storm. <laughs> you can send me a bunch of links afterward. I'll put them in the in the podcast notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, great. So. We first had the token boom. Now we see the NFT hype. What do you think will be the next big thing? Everyone's talking a lot about uh, DAOs and DAO tooling. Um, I think that is. I think that probably is the current hype right now. Um, I'm definitely very bullish around the tooling aspect, making DAOs more accessible for people to engage in. Uh, we we see you, you, uh, with um, contemporary events right now, Ukraine DAO and the Ukrainian government Twitter account doing doing airdrops to build that community. And I think there's so much to explore in that space in terms of people want to you know, contribute and see some acknowledgement and reward for that. And it, it really doesn't need to be much more than a token, a collectible, uh, but it really drives your know, community building. And I think DAOs are a space where there's a lot of kind of innovative thinking uh, going around, and you're know, making their their kind of structure be more effective in terms of you know how you contribute and how you get rewarded. Um, so yeah, DAOs, DAOs, I think they they are they are the current hype, um, but uh, yeah, that, that that's that's very much on my mind. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um... So, yeah, what other interoperability-focused projects are on your radar that you think will bring a lot of value to the space right now? Or what opportunities do you see? I think in terms of interoperability bringing value, definitely the bridges and another shout-out perhaps to a company called Alliance Block, which is a um, a, a cross-network DeFi uh, projects as well as doing NFT bridging, um, and everything runs on the Hedera consensus service, which is which is very exciting, and I think we'll be seeing uh, more more of the Hedera technology side. Um, so bridges and interoperability, just to see those assets, you find the best network to sit on, and then beyond that, I'm really excited about the the, the technology that allows companies to like interact with tokens. So to, to speak to Sale Finance, this, this Belgian company that's building on Hedera, they have a, a CRM solution. Um, 
you know, a sort of Salesforce solution um, that work with you know, large enterprises to enable you know, things like loyalty points and reward systems. And this is really what's going to drive you know, enterprise adoption of tokens when you can have your know, permissions and team management because you don't want some uh, you know, junior employee to accidentally send out you know, all of your NFTs because this isn't you know, digital commerce where you can just you know, magically spring up new assets. They're programmed into the network to have a fixed supply. It's much more akin to you know, physical commerce you know, through Amazon where you have warehouses and supplies and you know, stocks. So having the interfaces to be able to you know, create these assets and then you know, permission systems to issue them in the right places and then have tokens flow out into the ecosystem and then come back to things like restaurant apps um, and loyalty management programs, uh, that's that's uh, you perhaps not interoperability in, in the kind of sense of your different networks combining, um, but really about the B2B interoperability. How can we have tokens fit into existing businesses and structures, um, both in terms of the you know, software applications they use and in terms of how you know, they have team structure within their company? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a big upskilling movement around tokens and DLT, and it needs to be really accessible to enterprises to, to engage their existing teams with. Definitely. Great. Yeah, on the same the same train there. Um, specifically, what opportunities do you see for Web three builders to make a big impact right now? That's a very big question. I think uh, in terms of making an impact, definitely your contemporary events with Ukraine, Ukraine DAO, and um, the the engagement from from that kind of token reward system. I think that's something that comes to mind immediately in terms of you know, making an impact. And you know, more broadly, DAOs, I think, are going to be really effective ways of engaging communities, you know, directing attention to, to different causes and, and having people feel that it's more than just you know, clicking a button. It's an armchair activism of you know, liking something or sending a donation. There is, you know, a, there is a, um, a reciprocal action that acknowledges uh, that engagement in the community. And so we'll see a lot of um, you know, charitable causes and your know, community engagement done through you know, DAOs and token projects. Um, beyond that, it's it's not the the, the focus area um, of, of my fund, but we have an incredible um, you know, sustainable impact fund at the foundation uh, run by my colleague Wes. And really more broadly across the Hedera ecosystem, sustainability is uh, is, is a feature of, pro- of applications beyond just the, the core you know, layer one performance. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, EDF is tokenizing carbon credits on Hedera, and we're really seeing the infrastructure to, to manage uh, sustainability tokens and um, you know, carbon credit tokens in the most advanced way that we can really see across the industry right now. Uh, so Web3 and fighting climate change and what Hedera is doing in that space is, is something I can't uh, you know, speak too highly of and also I can't speak to in too much detail because it really is pushing um, the boundaries of what, what the of industry knowledge. So um, definitely worth uh, jumping on anything that my, my colleague Wes speaks about. Uh, it's really fascinating. Awesome. Very good. Um, yeah, we've touched on kind of all the, the major points that I wanted to get to. Is there anything you feel like we left out? 
No, that was uh, pretty pretty conclusive. Um, I definitely want to, to thank you for inviting me on. want to thank Denley for being a, a fantastic partner and looking forward to making you know, announcements with you know, the, the projects that have incorporated the, the Venley wallet and market. Uh, we'll see those coming out in, in the coming months. Again, apologies for announcements about announcements, but <laughs> anyone listening who's interested in learning more about the, the Hedera network, do, do reach out. Um, I love talking about uh, the technology and NFT use cases. And also do check out the HBAR Foundation, do look at our grants program, do send in an application um, because we're, we're building fast and furiously across the ecosystem and uh, things are developing at a, at a pace which, which I haven't really experienced in any other project. So very, very excited for the future. Great. Intriguing. Great. So my very last question, who should we have on Venley Expert Talks next? You've obviously mentioned a lot of different companies today, a lot of different projects. Is there anyone specifically that you think would add a lot of value here? That is a very good question. Is there a specific area you're you're interested in? Um, I mean, there's, there's a ton of interesting people, to be honest. Um, as my answer, I'll go for two projects which I've, I've mentioned um, and been speaking to most immediately. So um, the, the bias is, is a temporal one rather than um, any favoritism. Uh, there's a project called Reveal, uh, which is launching their token on Hedera and using the consensus service to, to support the, the encryption um, services they offer. And they do watermarking for physical and digital goods. And this is going to be you're paired with NFTs in, in a fascinating manner because NFTs show that you know, proof of ownership and you trace the, the history and the provenance of an asset. But you need watermarking to prove that this is the original asset, that it isn't a screenshot, that it isn't you know, JPEG, that someone hasn't you know, taken a picture of the Mona Lisa and just been the first to stick that onto an NFT. So really excited by what they're doing um, you know, with, with this technology and how it relates to NFTs. And then, because Benny's based in Belgium and uh, Sale Finance is also based in Belgium, I'd say talk to, to the Sale team. I love their thinking. Uh, we're already seeing people talking about NFTs being the new CRM and the, the way the Sale team are kind of bringing their knowledge and expertise around the B2B offering um, of CRM technology and customer you know, engagement uh, to the tokenization space just the small um, you know, test integrations they've done with the Hedera token service and consensus service and how they're approaching the smart contract service. I, I'm, I'm very excited about that team and uh, we'll, be, we'll be publishing more information about them. But in this informal podcast setting, um, i a yeah, big fan and I think they would you know, speak to a different use case area very, very well. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you very, very much for taking time today to talk to me and... I look forward to hopefully someday meeting you in person. <laughs> well, not, not that very far. I'm based in, in Berlin and you're based in Stuttgart, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, oh, yeah, from, from the UK, hence the accent, as I say on far too many calls. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, good. All right. Well, then, thank you very much.